0: From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, it's State of Nevada. Downtown Las Vegas is a magnet for murals. The older buildings with wide open walls are ideal canvases for the creative mind. And if you've been down there very recently, you might have noticed some new murals focusing on indigenous stories. They're part of an effort by Tribal Minds, a Nevada organization working to amplify indigenous voices. And they're doing this in collaboration and with support from Paramount, the movie studio. You'll be able to find photos of the murals on our webpage, knpr.org. And here to get into the details of this unique collaboration and what's behind it is Brian Melendez, the founder of Tribal Minds. Brian, welcome back. Thank you so
1: much for having me, and I hope you're having a great morning. So
0: yeah, far. you too, Brian. It's great to have you back here. So, Brian, this project is called Murals for Change. How did Tribal Minds and Paramount connect to get this started?
1: You know what? That's a really great question. Um, so, first and foremost, you know, as a uh, as a Native-led nonprofit here in the state of Nevada, we do statewide work, right? So, we're working uh, in Reno, Las Vegas. We work in rural areas, remote areas in Nevada. And so, as you're aware, the uh, Super Bowl just happened in Las Vegas, right? So, Paramount was kind of everywhere. And so, they were looking at um, doing some projects with the indigenous communities. And so because they're not necessarily from Nevada as of yet, they were doing some some work looking around at organizations. Our organization was basically, you know, um, pretty big on the Google search, you know, as far as like indigenous nonprofits in the state that are doing, you know, these types of community development projects. And then they reached out to us through a third party and then we just communicated and that's kind of how that came about initially.
0: Okay, and this is uh, the arm of Paramount called Content for Change. And they, through this collaboration, you've created four murals by four Indigenous artists. Three are in downtown, there's one in North Las Vegas. Why uh, were those artists chosen?
1: So we looked at the artists, and I think for us, when we, we were working on this project, we wanted to get representation as much as we could from the state. So as much representation we could in those areas, right? So we were looking in Las Vegas specifically for these walls. And so we were looking at artists who were in the Las Vegas area, but also artists who were native to Nevada, right? So, and then um, when we we had an extra kind of wall and we were looking at it, I said, you know what? We know a couple other really good artists. Let's see if there's anybody else on the outside that can come in. And that's kind of how that worked out.
0: Do you have the names of the artists?
1: Yes. uh, Fawn Douglas She's a Southern Paiute out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Greg Deal, he is a uh, Pyramid Lake Paiute artist uh, living in Colorado, and then <clears throat> Danielle Seawalker, she is from the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota, but she's also living in Colorado.
0: So these were our three artists on the project. Oh, three artists. So in these murals, what did you want them to convey? What were? were did they have goals?
1: So part of the part of the objective, right, when when anytime you're doing like a creative kind of project, it's people are throwing out ideas and and they're looking at uh, focal points of whatever that type of messaging is. And so from tribal minds, uh, our perspective is always that we want to make things that inspire and we want to create projects that give people hope and build around these ideas of visibility. And so when we looked at this project, we wanted something that was strong, something that was, um, you know, authentically us, and something that uh, conveyed a series of representation that made our indigenous causes and people and voices um, really stand out in an area where our people aren't naturally represented.
0: You know, the murals are in Las Vegas; they're not in the Reno area where you're based. There are 28 federally recognized tribes in Nevada, and a lot of them are in northern Nevada. Was there a particular reason the murals, like you wanted to have them in the south rather than the north?
1: I think that, um, well, I think there was a couple things, right? One is that for... The population, right? So the state of Nevada, so we're the sixth largest native populated state in the nation, right? And so as you just mentioned, the mass majority of our tribes and tribal governments are in the northern part of the state. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at somewhere like Reno, we can go down Reno right now. I mean, I'm in Reno at this moment, but I can drive around the city and find several native murals and, you Mm -hmm. know, locations and organizations. So I think, you know, our representation and the way that we've been really showing out in Reno has been Pretty significant and I think it's going to continue to grow but Las Vegas really needed a little bit more in in our opinion as we were looking at the project so because there were going to be people down there for the Super Bowl because we were we had a couple months to to really kind of build out this art it it made a lot more sense for us to look
0: in Las Vegas. Okay and Brian you know you've been doing tribal tribal minds for years Uh, I talked with you very early on on this program about it you've also helped organize indigenous voters through the Nevada Native Vote Project Aside from your work, is the indigenous community well-represented in this state?
1: You know what? Um, I was born here, right? My people are here. This is my dirt. And from the time being a a little child in the communities in the reservation to now when I'm looking at these things— I, I would want to say optimistically that I believe that there's a, a lot more representation happening than from the time I was a, a young mm-hmm. child or an adult. So I think ultimately things are growing and things are changing. And I believe that people are having more pathways to that type of representation as time goes on.
0: And again, you're doing this project with an arm of Paramount called Content for Change. And and Tribal Minds is very grassroots. Uh, on the show, we talked about it again early on, and you had goals of amplifying Indigenous voices, getting them more involved in the political process. Coming from that background, I I just have to wonder if you're at all suspicious of the motivations of a big corporate studio like Paramount, or what, was there something about their pitch to you that made it feel more authentic, or does that even matter?
1: I think, I think it's... Um, I really think that it's very difficult for anybody who's outside of our community systems and outside of our culture sometimes to really understand what motivates us and drives us. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times for us as a nonprofit, right? So when we look at the work, we we pride ourselves as a proverbial bridge organization. And what that means in in the work is that, we we exist with the intention that we want to make these relationships with people who are outside of our systems because when we make those relationships with people outside of our systems we're learning a lot about how other people in the world are working so that way they can make their way into our communities and understand how we're working so i believe that 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 transition and that transference of in, information and education about each other is really helpful especially as we're trying to um position ourselves for different things in our community systems and ecosystems right whether that be academic or economic so i think when you're working with larger institutions whether they be um entertainment conglomerates or you know energy consortiums like you know envy energy or any you know pseudo political entity anything that has to do with capital or enterprise we know historically that doesn't really mean us and so anytime we're working with some other enterprise it's always like okay I see you. I hear you. You're here. You want to do something. I understand that this is some type of, you know, exchange or some type of information that's kind of working between us. But ultimately, do I believe that other people on the outside always have a a great intention for us or they believe things? I don't know that, but um, I want to, I want to have hope that people want to see some, some things happen for our communities and see that type of change. So if they are, uh, if they have an open heart and an open mind to the work and we can get something um, out of that process for our communities and our people, then we'll do it. And if it's not, then we don't.
0: You're also looking to build relationships and collaborations with tribes in the South. Why are you doing that? I mean, is there a disconnect between the North and the South uh, tribal organizations right now?
1: I believe I believe there has. I think there, I think there always has been. And I think there always has been for the same sense that there's a disconnect between the North and South and Las Vegas and Reno. I think it's just mm-hmm. the nature of the state. And I think it's the way that people talk about it. Even when they're questioning, right? You're like the North and the South. I think it's yeah. so like pejorative now that as we kind of think about these things, there's so much distinction between what happens in the city of Las Vegas, the city of Reno, and everything else in the state of Nevada, right? So when we say Nevada, if we're, I give an example. So I'm from Reno. So when I say Nevada, I think the whole state. But if maybe somebody's from Las Vegas and they think Nevada, they may just be thinking Clark County, right? And that's not necessarily everybody, but I think that that's the way that the economics and the opportunities move in the state, where there's a giant dump of resources in Clark County, that is attended to trickle somewhere throughout the state from time to time. So I think for us when we're looking at this, I think our cultural or uh, reach towards the tribes is to also it it's in a sense of like um familiar familiarity right mm-hmm. it's in a sense of community right when we're looking at the tribes in southern nevada we're saying hey look we we are you we see you we're together we love you we want to be with you like remember us right mm-hmm. so i think that's what that camaraderie is more so than any kind of like major political move i think it's more of a uh a a community-oriented approach to bringing people together
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, At the same time with 62,000 members in all the various tribal organizations in the state, the conjoining and the joining uh, connection between those two could become a a pretty big political power. But that's for another time. I want to ask you, you know, you have other things you're working on, including two podcasts. One's called Coffee with an Indian. It's already available. Talk about that a bit.
1: So I started that podcast uh, back in 2018. And so that podcast was based upon the idea that i was going to tell multi-generational narratives of my community my family how we got here and i think that the reasoning behind that project was that when we're dealing with um native populations the way in which our cultures are built out the uh the mores folkways the, the way in which people are um communicating amongst themselves is very different than. Maybe other Western systems, right? So we we function in a different way. So everything is done through a sense of uh, family and community. So it was almost that I had to tell the story in reverse to build up to this moment because it's not like when we're talking in our tribal communities, I couldn't outrightly come into a tribal community and say, "Hey, look, I'm Brian Melendez. I got you know these degrees. I come from this space, I've done this, I've done that, you know, here's why you should listen to me. My my community would shut me out. They wouldn't hear that, and they, you know, we mm-hmm. we don't kind of function that way. So, in order to have a little bit more uh, footing in the community space, we had to kind of tell the community and tell the story of where we come from, where I come from, how this happened, and by doing so, in in that sense, that that oral tradition was able to carry the sentiment or energetics of the work we're doing today.
0: You have another another podcast planned, what's that one going to be
1: about? So Indian One Hundred Ones. it's a really great project. So I'll give you an example. Um, so let's say you're in school and you're, there's a teacher or there's, or anything, you know, a coworker, and they, they're really curious about tribal communities and they say to themselves, I don't really know anything about these communities. So we're creating this process and it's going to be a really fun project. So basically Indian 101 is talking about all of these, conceptual um ideas of our communities maybe it's what is what are the what are reservations what are these communities what are like what does this mean right what are these particular eras in history what does this mean in this space how do how do the people feel here and so but we're going to do it in a way that it's it's going to be a little a little bit more lighthearted and funny so i think these are really small bursts of information but they're done in a way that's really so that way we can, in a way that we can kind of explain lightheartedly to like a 10-year-old, sure. right? Like a, a young person so they can understand what are these historical things and ch- just trying to deal with the facts and and trying to convey information. So that way people can under, better understand our communities. And it's not, our, it's not always our responsibility to do that, but as an organization, I think that we're going to make a better headway at educating and informing our communities and other people as to why we need to be in partnership, why we need to co-create things together, why we're asking for the things we're asking for, and the work that we're doing today.
0: And again, this is a Brian Brian Melendez. He's the founder of Tribal Minds, which is partnering with Paramount. And if you've been in downtown Las Vegas recently, you could see four murals that came as a result of this collaboration, and he's involved in a lot of other projects. Also with us is Las Vegas attorney Costin Lathoris. He's a member of the Chemwavy Tribal Council and served six years on the Nevada Indian Commission. Kostin, welcome back to the program.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: What do you think of Murals for Change?
2: I love it. I grew up here in Las Vegas. These are the homelands of the Southern Paiute people. And for a long time growing up, there wasn't really even in any acknowledgement, let alone authentic expression uh, of the Southern Paiute in the area. And last week, I was just walking down the street and I came across Water's Life by Fawn Douglas. And it was just beautiful to see that representation.
0: Does it strike an emotional chord with you?
2: It does. Uh, I saw that, and I, I just wanted to reach out to to my friends and my family and my cousins, and you know, say, "Hey, look at this. It's here. Uh, there's Southern Paiute art, and it was by a Southern Paiute artist. And it's it's just good to see that we're we're here still, and that that's being acknowledged, and it's motivating and it's inspiring to to keep being present." and to be present for future generations so that they are inspired to do what they feel is right as well.
0: You know, and I asked a form of this question to Brian just moments ago, but this project was done in conjunction with a major movie studio that's not owned or run by indigenous people. Do you think they properly handle this project? I mean, from what you know of it.
2: And I do love that qualification that from what I know of. uh, I didn't work with them directly, but I will say that uh, we had an event um, and by we, I mean, I attended the event last week mm-hmm. where they were talking about murals for change. And I will just say that for me, it seemed to be native led, uh, native driven. And it was really nice to have a gathering where we were able to celebrate something and, and to be joyous. Uh, there's not always a lot of good news, but it was a good event. It was a happy event and our communities need those type of events.
0: You know, Kostin, tell me if I'm over here, but it does sort of feel like there's been a movement in this country over the last few years geared toward unearthing and hearing more from the Indigenous community. Or or does it feel that way to you?
2: You know, I, I hope you're not assuming. I hope that's the case. It does seem to be more of the case from where I stand. I think that there's a lot of traditional values within indigenous communities uh, that are surviving the test of time. And I think that a lot of other communities are looking to that and listening to it and, and seeing the value there. Uh, not that it has to be a value to be important. Uh, but it does have value as well. And so I would agree with you, I think that we see it at the federal level with the consultation policies where the federal government's saying, you know, if we're making decisions that affect tribes, they should have a seat at the table. And I think that should be said about anybody. Anybody who's going to be affected by a decision should have the opportunity to be at that table and be heard about their concerns. Uh, we see it even at the state level uh, with uh, AB 264 in 2019, which is now part of uh, the Nevada Revised Statutes at Section 233A, where there's a policy to promote collaboration between state agencies and Indian tribes. And so I, I think you're right. There is that trend that we're seeing where people are starting to be curious and want to know and listen to indigenous communities. And I I think it's beautiful.
0: Do you think that's part of of maybe a younger generation's desire to know more about the culture and in the sense that a lot of people are are looking for uh, different ways to manage their lives, different ways to view life?
2: I think it's a a mix of different things. In my experience, usually the more that people know or the more exposure they have to communities, the more open-minded they are, And i think we're living in a world that is really interconnected and i think a lot of people are having experience and exposure to indigenous communities uh, in a variety of different ways either through um, the appointment of deb holland as the secretary of the interior reservation dogs on tv Uh, and people are starting to be aware of the fact that we're not just a part of history we're part of the present and we'll be part of the future and people want to learn more and honestly, indigenous communities also want to learn more as well. And so I think it's a really good experience for a cultural exchange that can be done in a very healthy and productive way. And
0: and there are a lot other, uh, a lot more things uh, about the indigenous community, the culture that people really do not know. And Southern Nevada does have its own indigenous art space, the new art gallery and community center, which was founded by one of the muralists, Fawn Douglas. But, but other, Other places in Southern Nevada, elsewhere, what else would you like to see in terms of showcasing indigenous perspectives and stories?
2: Well, I know that there's gonna be a a gathering at Red Rock and they have that every year and it's great. There's singing and there's dancing. I would like to see more inclusion of Nevada specific history, in Nevada, specific history regarding the indigenous people who live in the state as part of our education system growing up. So that way it's not this burden that tribes have to overcome to say, hey, let's prove that we even exist or that we're here, Uh, that people just understand that as part of learning about the history of the state. And so I would like to see that I would like to see more support uh, for tribes trying to. Not just protect lands, uh, but have lands be returned back to those tribal communities, especially around their reservations. So that way the tribes can effectively govern those lands uh, as they, they always have. And,
0: and, you know, you talked about seeing the mural in downtown Las Vegas. The Arts District is really a natural home for the murals, these three murals. Uh, there were other the, several others there before Murals for Change Project started, but it, this is a really trendy neighborhood in Vegas. So they're gonna get a lot of exposure in this very obvious place. Where else do you think some of these indigenous works should be displayed?
2: I think perhaps the answer would be everywhere, but uh, yeah, any place really. I mean, it's just beautiful art. I think anybody could look at it and say, wow, this is beautiful. When I saw water is life, especially if you catch it with the rain, I mean, it changes with the weather. If the ground is wet, it creates a full basket, uh, and it just goes with that message that water is life. I think anybody that is looking to beautify an area uh, should consider Indigenous artists and having that representation there because, again, it's just beautiful art. I think everyone benefits from it.
0: And you heard Brian Melendez talking about bridging North and Southern Indigenous communities. There's this physical distance, but I wonder how are the needs and perspectives of the two communities different in your eyes? And, and how can they be overcome?
2: I think a lot of it is based on prior federal policies. And I, I'm just speaking on it as it is. I mean, the creation of state boundaries is pretty arbitrary from an indigenous perspective. It doesn't necessarily represent the fact that a tribe might be within what we now consider states in multiple states. And a lot of the creation of reservations, too, were, was done in a, a very kind of arbitrary way uh, from a tribal perspective, because the creation of reservations weren't necessarily based on shared language, cultural or community or community. And so you might have people who are of the same cultural community uh, in different reservations, which are now different political entities. And then you compound on that with the fact that a lot of reservations were placed in rural remote areas that have a lack of resources. And so now you have a bunch of different tribal governments Uh, that aren't necessarily what they were 200 years ago because of federal policies with limited resources. And I think a lot of times the tribal governments historically would have worked together, but they have that limited resource to draw upon. And so they're just struggling to, to make day to day decisions. I think now we're starting to see these tribes especially with the availability of communication that we have and, and technology reaching out and working with each other. And so I think we're starting to see that change because at the end of the day, even though they might be separate, they share a lot of the same values. They want a lot of the same things. They have the same interests uh, and yeah. face similar challenges. And hey, can Justin, help
0: I'm going to have to end it there, but thank you so much for joining us. I also want to thank Brian Melendez of Travel Minds.